Welcome to Lights in the Sky podcast episode 26, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And I am the Tony. And in this episode, we're going to um, read a... I'm stalling already. I'm, I'm staggering. Um, what are we going to do? We're going to... Um, yeah. I, I'm, save me. <laughs> save, save you. I, I, can't, I can't recall. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a, a story from a listener. Um, we'll read that out. We're going to hear from me with a tale from the paranormal realms. And then we'll finish up with um, Getting Some Strange, which is a... Uh, how we end the show. It's a random story from a... 80s book is what it is that's a pretty (laughs) point blank way to put it yeah um so um we're recording to pull the curtain back a little bit we're recording on a saturday morning curtain back curtain back i just put them down though (laughs) and the neighbor the neighbors are always wondering we put those curtains down they glance and i'm like what are those two boys doing again with those curtains down (laughs) yeah when the other one's like oh they're probably podcasting (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) unlikely that's how it goes in my head um so it goes in my head (laughs) (laughs) um we're going to um uh, to pull back the curtain again um this is a curtains back just so they can see that we're podcasting (laughs) so they know we're not doing anything naughty um we're recording on a saturday morning and we recorded last week's episode last night so work that out um we're also recording next week's episode today so um, we're getting our bank series sorted out because it turns out there's scheduled clashes for basically the entire month of October. That's right. What are you doing? I'm recording. In October. Oh, I've got another podcast that I'm going to go um, <sighs> dabble in. <laughs> Criminal. <laughs> I'm going on holiday. And I'm going on holiday. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So Still my idea. Good chat. Yeah. Where are you yeah. going on holiday? Melbourne. Nice. I'm not asking you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to Hong Kong. <laughs> I didn't ask. <laughs> I decided to volunteer it. Um, so what, the reason I wanted to hit record so early on in the piece is as I arrived here, you started to <sighs> whinge as you do. I, like you were, you were telling me a story and I said, stop, stop uh, what you're doing. We're going to hit record and you're going to tell me because it is... <laughs> unreal why a human would do this i'm sure there's some people out there who are listening to this who will appreciate this. okay so set the scene okay it involves and this is probably where the weirdness starts it involves roadworks outside your house no not outside my house down the road yeah okay even better it involves roadworks down the road okay. from your house so the and for the, some reason for some reason, this is your response to road wrecks happening down the road from your house. So about six weeks ago, there was a notice put in the mailbox that for some unknown, you know, this, this unknown decision to be made to put a traffic island at the end of the street, which is the main intersection with the main road. So I was like, okay, sounds a bit stupid, but fine. So they went down there, dug the road up, put the stupid narrow traffic island in. It's like... Four metres long and like 30 centimetres wide. It's ridiculous. How far away from here? It's down the end of the street. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, a, what? Oh, about... 500 metres? Yeah. About 500 metres away, they were putting in a traffic island. Mm-hmm. So they did and you And you could have gone about your day normally. Well, I did. I did for a, a long time. But what they did is they put the stupid traffic island in, sealed Which, up... Which, hang on. Right there. It's a traffic island. It's a stupid traffic island. It's ridiculous. It does not need to be there. And now it just takes up room on the road. And like everyone's now always smashing into each other because it's too made the road too narrow. 
I don't think they are, but carry well, on. Well, they are. You don't, you you don't survey. live here. You don't live here. You surveyed. You don't live here. You set up a little road. lawn chair on the I've corner. Asked, I've asked some people around here about no, it. No, you did not. I've spoken to two people about you it. You didn't. I did. <laughs> that I have done. <laughs> Who did you speak to? Mark. <laughs> a neighbour. Yeah. You, you asked your neighbour what he thought of a traffic island. Yeah, and he said the other people that someone else even speaking didn't like it either. Didn't like it or just didn't care for it? Didn't care for it or didn't like it. How strong do you think his opinion was on it? Oh, about probably a tenth of what mine is. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just a traffic island. Yeah, Go. it's annoying. Okay, carry on. So, traffic it's island went me, It's annoying me that you're not, you taking this, you're not taking this seriously enough that I am annoyed about the traffic island. I'm just fascinated why you're letting this bother you. Well, the traffic island doesn't bother me. This is the thing. You're, you're getting this wrong. The traffic island doesn't bother me. But you're calling it a stupid traffic island. It is island. a stupid traffic island. So, but, it bothers you. Well, it doesn't bother me as much as the fact that when they built the stupid traffic island, they put one of those roadwork signs up. And they put it right in front of one of the car park spaces in the, uh, to the house next door to me. Mm-hmm. It's not even my house. So your house has um, parking for two cars in the gar- garage and room for one more outside. Yeah. But yeah. I only park one car in the garage. <laughs> and I park the Hilux on the street. Yeah. So... What you was choose it? to park it on the street. Yep. Yeah, well, I do because it leaks oil up and down the driveway, so I don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to put a sign out. So um, they left the roadworks sign after they finished the roadworks. And it sat there for about five weeks. And it just wasn't going away. Mm-hmm. So I was decided last weekend that I was going to move it and throw it in the vacant section across the road. But it rained. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> so the decision was made. I decided not to do that. To move the sign. Yeah. It was the roadworks sign. <laughs> but there's no roadworks going on. Like, they finished the roadworks five weeks ago and just forgot to take the sign with them. I don't know if they did, eh? But there's no, they, no roadworks. They're finished. Maybe they're waiting for it to cure. Well, anyway, so after last weekend fell through to move the sign, yeah. um, I was um, I saw two nights ago that they were working on the traffic island again mm-hmm. for some reason, and this time now it, was that a it, di- cured, it was a different it was a different company. Okay, so they've gone through and they dug up the traffic island um, on, on, <laughs> around all the sides of it. They dug up the centre of it, took down the signs they put on the traffic island indicating what side of the road to keep on. Um, and then closed the road to do the work on it. So they put signs up saying, road is closed, detour. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I was like, right, when they finish these word works, I'm going to take the road work sign that was left behind, and I'm going to move it down to where the other signs are. So when they take the signs away saying detour, they'll take the sign with the road works. I don't know why you'd care that much. Because it's You're, taking up a car park how space. Big is this? <laughs> it means you can only park two cars instead of three in front of the house. And directly in front. Yeah. There's an entire street, like, parking outside the neighbours. Yeah, but there's cars everywhere. Like, literally, you get to the point where there are, like, no car park spaces out the front of these houses. Park out the front of your house. Because, you know, that courier van I hate, he comes and parks two, and he takes up two spaces. Well, he takes up one. Well, I do like taking up... I do park outside my house, like I am at the moment, but I hadn't been able to, because, like, someone from next door had left their car there for, like, three weeks, and it hadn't moved, and I'd lost my car park space. (laughs) Okay, so, so you decided to move take it upon yourself I to move the, the sign. sign. So the next morning I went out and they'd <laughs> taken away the signs to say the detour was uh, out. You know, so the detour was removed. So they took those signs, but they didn't take the roadworks sign. And it was a different company, fair enough. Yeah. But I thought maybe they'd take it anyway because they realised where I put it was kind of right in the way of traffic. <laughs> 
So as you came around the corner, it was right behind the detour sign, which was obviously closing the road. But I put the sign right behind it so that it was like really obvious and annoying in space. Mm-hmm. So um, they would take it or at least say to, you know, they'd move it away. What time of day did you do this? When did I, when did I put it out? Yeah. About when, 10 o'clock at night. You mo- you went outside at 10. And moved it. And moved the sign. Yeah. Um, more it- like nine. Did it have like sandbags and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it did. How many? <laughs> it took four trips. <laughs> <laughs> you did four laps. Like you walked two k's. <laughs> oh no, no, the sign's not at. I think where you where you confused with this is that literally with the signs outside the house next to me, and they closed the road on the other side. Oh, gotcha. Where the signs were. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Yeah, so I only had to move it about a hundred meters. But still, took it upon yourself to move a roadwork sign. Yes, that was not signalling roadworks. So. <laughs> Came out the next morning and they'd left the sign. They hadn't taken it away. Brilliant. So then what? Um, then I decided last night I was going to take the sign down and throw it in the bushes. <laughs> Did you do that? Yes. <laughs> so it's gone now. <laughs> what bushes? Surely there's houses all around here. Yeah, um, there are the, the ones next door to me, the front of the house. You'll see it to your neighbour's bushes. You'll see it when you leave. Amazing. <laughs> if you have a look at it, you'll see it in there. <laughs> I was just so sick of it being there, taking I'm, up a car park I'm, space. I'm almost surprised it's not in your garage. I don't want it in my garage. No, because it's it, an evil thing now, isn't I it? Don't, well, no, I don't want it anywhere near me. It just it was taking up space. It meant that I couldn't park. It meant that there was one less car parking space. It was pissing everybody off, and I took a vigilante action and took the sign down and got rid of it. You're not Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> Ask my phone. <laughs> I mean, that's weird as well, but that's another story. You've made Siri think your name's Batman. Correct. Um, so when you say it was annoying everybody, list everybody. Well, uh, me. Yeah. And I can only imagine it must be annoying. No, because, yeah, well, that's they, right. You can only imagine. Because people were parking um, like around the corner because they couldn't park outside the houses because the sign was taking up one precious space. Yeah, one one person parked around the corner. Yeah, so one person had there was one inconvenience around the corner. But did they care? Obviously, not as much as I did. It's <laughs> <laughs> just unbelievable. But it annoyed me that they would finish the roadworks and wouldn't take the sign. Ring them. No, it, it'll not. say on the sign whose it is. It's Fulton Hogan's. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ring them, but I thought actually this isn't that they they won't come and pick it up for ages. I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm going to come at first. I was like maybe this other road crew will take it, and then when they didn't, I'm like I'm taking it down, and throwing it in the bushes. You should have taken it to like a local park and just chuck it in there and then ring them and say it's there if you need it. Well, now I can say it's on the side of the road. But I looked, I, when I was doing we walk around the neighborhood the other day, I saw about three other signs that had been thrown down in bushes. Because obviously, like road crews have put the signs up, not taken them away. And people like myself had taken it upon themselves to take the signs down because they were taking up car park spaces. I'd, yeah, I don't know about that, eh? Well, I explain think it. It's probably more like just hoodlums wanting to wreck temporary structures no they were carefully disassembled like i did with this one and then placed in the bushes this is how do you well took the top out folded the legs up threw the sandbag on the side and moved the cone (laughs) there you go it was stacked neatly why don't you put it on the just the grass next to the footpath because i don't want to get the grass i don't want the duck grass to die leaned it on the fence yeah that's what i did in the bushes (laughs) <laughs> it's not really leaning it on the fence if you throw it, but, well, it needed, but it didn't want to take up too much of the sidewalk I'm, I'm, quite, no, I'm, I'm not convinced this is the only option you had and I just don't know why you cared enough 
I only cared because they should have taken it with them when they finished the work. And had, had I maybe seen value in the roadworks, I may not have been so angry about it. But because it's the road, uh, the, the stupid traffic island makes no sense. And now they've dug it back up again. For, some, for no reason, they dug it back up again. It can't be for no reason. But why would they put it, seal it all, put the signs up saying, you know, this side to the left, this side to the right, and then dig it up again? No idea. It doesn't make sense to me. No. But I don't work So there. I think my actions, <laughs> are, are, you know, considering the context of the stupid sign, perfectly acceptable. All right. Yeah, you probably do think that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, um, we have been sent a, um, a wee ghost story. Uh, from a, a ghost listener. story about urine is that what you're saying nope oh, okay um this one is coming from amy who um has tweeted us on twitter the her handle is at a h a s s five um and she has um sent through a, a short but interesting story and where does do we know where amy hails from um yeah from um where you put that pin up last time. Oh, cool. Was it, <laughs> is it Michigan? Uh, did, yeah, it was around Detroit, Michigan or something like that. I found, yeah. I found Detroit on the map and just stuck the pin in, around yeah. there. So. so it was Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Amy's from Michigan and also from Twitter. Um, <laughs> I haven't put Twitter, I haven't put Twitter on the map, but. Um, cool. So. I couldn't um, find it. Just a little uh, story that she was kind enough to send in and um, in return we will be sending her some. Swag? Some goodies Bullion? in the mail. Bounty? Um, it's all sort of pilot, pilot um, pirate terms for <laughs> treasure. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot cheaper than bullion. <laughs> Sorry, Amy, we won't be sending you bullion. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Yeah. Um, if we had spare bullion, we'd send it. If only we had spare bullion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's in a series of little tweets, so there might be um, the odd pause in between. So little tweets is in smaller tweets than regular tweets, or just tweets being 150 characters? 140, but it's DMs, Damn. but Damn. still. Damn. It's in a series of broken down paragraphs. Damn. Don't pretend you know Twitter. You don't do Twitter. I'm a tweeter. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I'm unrelenting when it comes to Twitter. Absolutely unrelenting. So to kick things off... <laughs> and change the subject <laughs> our house is quite old and i've heard a man's voice a few times is right. what she leads off with the bathroom is right off the kitchen and an entryway was added years after the house was built um, i heard my daughter and her friend talking to a man at the door one day for a few minutes and when i when i came out of the bathroom asked who they were talking to and they'd been in my daughter's room the whole time what yeah. So, so I heard her daughter and the friend talking to somebody at the door, like yeah. as in conversation going on while she was in the the yep. bathroom. Yep. Yet the daughter was in the bedroom the whole time. Yep. What? That's freaky. Yep. <laughs> um, another time I was in the bedroom and there was a large gap under the door as the house had settled. So over the years, I kept seeing a shadow in front of the door and heard footsteps. So I asked my husband what he was doing and nobody answered. When I went to the other room, I asked why he didn't answer me. And he said he'd been in the living room the whole time. Creepy. Yeah. So that's that thing where you kind of catch things out of the corner of your eye. And in this case, it was um, hearing footsteps as well. So call out to the husband who's nowhere near. Said, yoo-hoo, hubby. <laughs> and no. Um, Sorry, I mean, I don't mean you sound like that. And the final tweet 
Um, and this one's kind of <laughs> quite a creepy one. Um, another incident happened one night while I was asleep, and I felt someone kind of tickling my stomach. I just got a shift shivers. Did you really? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> You've ruined it. Keep going with the story. I can't remember where I was at. I might as well just... Tickling just your stomach. My stomach. Who was tickling whose stomach? Whose stomach? <laughs> whose stomach? Your stomach? My stomach? Were you Amy's tickling stomach? my stomach? Another incident happened one night while I was asleep and felt someone kind of tickling my stomach. So I reached down and grabbed what I thought was my husband's hand. But when I opened my eyes, I saw his hands were both folded up by his face. That was creepy. What do you do? Yakers. What do you do there? I don't know. Like, um, I'm just wondering, what, I mean, would you just have to move? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the, we have the similar stories come from our friend Jim, the most haunted guy we know. And, and he not, doesn't move. No, it's just, it's connected. Because that is the case for some of, I guess, some of these hauntings. Sometimes they're connected to, uh, like the, the place, the house, the, the building. Yeah. Other times, wherever you go, they follow you. I guess if if it got bad enough, you'd think about moving yeah. or doing something. But if it's just the odd thing here and there, then you kind of can put it down to that's creepy. But nothing's nothing bad's come of it that's going to be big enough that it changes my life. Yeah, I know, just think like you know when you're at home, life path. If you're sitting at home and just you're alone, it it would just be a little bit disconcerting knowing that there could be something there. Yeah, I agree. Toying with you, you live alone. You. I do live alone. Have you ever had a weird feeling? Um, that may have been paranormal. I was just about to say, how do I how do I phrase this? So it's... <laughs> no, I haven't actually. No, no. You've had any, <laughs> any like? Yeah, let's move on. Then. Just patch. <laughs> no, nothing. Say. Anything paranormal? Happened? Is it, You've we had like, we've um, actually stopped asking if anything paranormal happened to you this week. Well, okay. Have you? No. <laughs> Maybe that's why we stopped. Because <laughs> nothing ever happened. <laughs> um you've had like paranoia and stuff though obviously with um moving sides around (laughs) willy-nilly i think it's mental illness though (laughs) it's it's quite explainable mental illness um okay so thanks very much um amy from twitter um that is always interesting to hear from people and next week we've got another one in the chamber lined up um from another listener um which uh is pretty cool to hear from people and again um if you're anywhere in the world that you think maybe we haven't heard from you or um haven't marked on our map we've got an in-studio map with little pins um signaling which countries and states um our listeners may be from so So feel free to um let us know via twitter instagram or on emails it's a it's a more advanced version of like you know if you get like a google map and you drop a pin on it yeah it's a more more advanced advanced version of that and more analog because it's literally pins in a board yeah the power goes out that's staying up (laughs) and just to just to reiterate um if you're in africa maybe keep it to yourself keep it to yourself please. because there's a bit of wood behind the africa i don't don't want to discourage listeners in africa but i do think they should move yeah i agree with that yeah if you're in africa do something about it yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay um so moving on to the next Moving on to the next segment, um, we'll jump into, uh, I will regale you with a story from the paranormal slash strange. Oh, I'm, I'm all ears. You tend to UFO at every G dang time. Well, 
Um, so I like to non-UFO it. Um, so this week is a sea serpent. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> we once do again, have, we I, do have that famous sea serpent episode. <laughs> once again, um, I have dabbled into the ghostly realms um, and have found a tale of the Brown Lady of Raynham Hall. Heard of it? No, I haven't. The Brown Lady of Raynham Hall is a ghost which reportedly haunts Raynham Hall in Norfolk, England. It's lucky she was called the ghost of Raynham Hall. I know. <laughs> She's found the right hole. Her, her mommy was very uh, on point with that naming. It became one of the most famous hauntings in Great Britain when photographers from Country Life magazine claimed to have captured its image. Country Life magazine sounds delightful, just as an aside. It really does. Country Life. I think of like oh. Devonshire teas and scones and... Mm. Mm. Just really immaculately mowed lawns. I'm thinking like lavender bushes and just, you know, some nice... Some little, of those little, topiaries. I was going to say that exactly. Yes, exactly <laughs> what I see. And you're taking some time out to make sure that they look very pretty and well-maintained and manicured. The brown lady is also named because of the white, brown... A white fence, maybe? The white fence, a wee little gate. Any wildlife? Peacocks on the lawn. Oh, yeah. What, is it, what noises do peacocks make? I know it, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> Um, the brown lady is named is so named because of the brown brocade dress it is claimed she wears. That's good. I thought she may have shat herself. So that's probably <laughs> moving on and not trying to piss off spirits. <laughs> According to the legend, she can't hear this. <laughs> okay. Does the brown lady subscribe? <laughs> <laughs> so disrespectful. Sorry. <laughs> According to legend, the brown lady of <laughs> the brown lady of random hall is the ghost of lady dorothy walpole 1686 to 1726 Yikes. so we're going way back here. way way back the sister of robert walpole generally regarded as the first prime minister of great britain she was the second wife of charles townsend who was notorious for his violent temper the story goes that when townsend discovered that his wife had committed adultery with lord wharton he punished her by locking her in the rooms in the family home, Raynham Hall. You don't really do that these days, do you? No, normally counselling. Yeah. Or try and work it out. Yeah. Just yeah. a yeah, trial separation. Yeah. Um, rather than just locking your spouse in a room. In a room. Yeah. According to uh, Mary Montague, Dorothy was in fact entrapped by the Countess of Wharton. She invited Dorothy over to stay for a few days, knowing her husband would never allow her to leave, not even see her children. She remained at Raynham Hall until her death in 1726 from smallpox. How do you get smallpox if you're in isolation? Maybe he just sort of opened the door and threw the smallpox in. Yeah. Like without a, like a shaker, a condiment shaker. Maybe they had like a little hatch in the ceiling and he was just able to drop yeah. in some smallpox. I'm thinking like smallpox is like salt. Yeah, like sprinkling it on her. I, where I went was chicken like, salt, it's maybe. A, like it's a grenade that um, explodes oh, smallpox. I was thinking chicken salt. The first recorded claim of <laughs> chicken salt. Yeah. Is that because of chicken pox? You went chicken because of pox? Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Does it sound like popcornish too? A wee bit? It's like it evokes kind of like something you'd sprinkle on popcorn. Do you know what I heard? That the seasoning they put on KFC chips is actually turkey rather than chicken. Uh, you can't like come on to any kind of recording and start making claims like that i believe it's true anyway good luck, good luck getting out of this one 
The first recorded claim of a sighting of the ghost was by Lucia Stone considering, concerning a gathering at Raynham Hall in the Christmas of 1835. Stone says that Lord Charles Townsend had invited various guests to the hall, including Colonel Loftus, to join the, the Christmas festivities. Loftus and another guest named Hawkins said they had seen the brown lady one night as they approached their bedrooms, noting in particular he dated the, brown, the dated brown dress she wore. The following evening, Loftus claimed to have seen the brown lady again, later reporting that on this occasion he was drawn to the spectres, spectra, spectre, spectra, spectre. <laughs> I don't know, the, the spectre? Spectre. He was drawn to the spectres, <laughs> spectres, empty eye sockets. Oh, oh. E. Dark and a glowing face. Loftus set, Loftus's sightings led to some staff permanently leaving Raynham Hall. Raynham Hall. The next reported sighting of the Brown Lady was made in 1836 by Captain Frederick Marriott, a friend of novelist Charles Dickens, who doesn't get another mention anywhere through here. I mean, you're just name-dropping at this point. Exactly name-dropping. The relationship to Charles Dickens means absolutely nothing to this story, but it's made it... How close do you think they were? Think they were mates? Maybe met at the odd gathering. I think that, yeah, maybe to sort of rub shoulders. Mm-hmm. It was an author, so probably like a book club? Maybe. Book club, author's club. He yeah. he, he was an author of a po- of popular sea novels. Oh, like sea shanties. <laughs> is that a thing? It said that <laughs> Marriott... shanty is a thing. <laughs> it said that Marriott requested that he spend the night in the haunted room at Raynham Hall to prove his theory that the haunting was caused by local smugglers anxious to keep people away from the area. Oh, see, smugglers and sea shanties, that's sort of, that's sort of quite linked in. I reckon he was working on a book angle there. In 1891, Florence Marriott said of her father's experience, and this is quite a a lengthy little report. Take it you're doing an accent to... I don't do accents. Oh, okay. I'll just read it, shall I? Hmm, okay. He took possession of the room in which the portrait... So it's kind of old-timey language, so I'll do my best to gloss over some of the oddities, but it's it's written in the old-timey tongue. (laughs) Do you still say tongue if it's written? Um, Because it's language, I guess. Moving on. (laughs) He took possession of the room in which the portrait of the apparition hung and in which she had often been seen and slept each night with a loaded revolver under his pillow. Is he going to shoot a ghost? This is it. Mm. We've had had a few examples. I'm calling Mr. Marriott out on that. Calling BS? Yeah. (laughs) Just on the fact that you bought a revolver? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they didn't know. Maybe it was just an innocent thing. For two days, however, he saw nothing, and the third was to be the limit of his stay. Which is, <laughs> which is an old-timey way of saying he had one more night left. Yeah. On the third night, however, two young men, nephews of the baronet, knocked at his door as he was undressing to go to bed, asked and asked him to step over to their room, which was at the other end of a long corridor. Did they say whether he put the clothes back on before addressing the nephews? Because that could just be a little bit freaky. I'm getting to that. Oh, good. I hope I hope this isn't getting that way, sort of story. And give, uh, they asked him to step over to their room at the other end of the corridor and give them his opinion on a new gun that had just arrived from London. My father was in... Remember, this is written by the daughter. So, my father was in his shirt and trousers, but the owl... But as the hour was late and everybody had retired to rest except themselves, he prepared to accompany them as he was. 
Because, like, normally it would be, like, you know, top hat. Put your duds on. Tails on. Yeah. Uh, tie, everything. As they were leaving the room, he caught up his revolver. Meaning he picked up his revolver. <laughs> just taking the gun with the nephews. Yeah. To and, see a gun. And still doesn't have just pants taking on. his gun to see another gun. Yes. That's nice. Introduce uh, them. Um, as he picked up his revolver, he said, um, in case we meet the brown lady, ha 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 ha. Is the ha-ha-ha-ha on there? No. Oh, okay. He, it's just, it's, he said laughing. If, if it was, oh, right. If, <laughs> if it had put laugh out loud or lol on the yeah. end of it. In case, you me, in case we meet the brown lady, lols. <laughs> <laughs> when the inspection of the gun was over, the young men in the same spirit declared they would accompany my father back again in case they met the brown lady. They repeated laughing also. The three gentlemen therefore returned in company. So they walked down, checked out the new gun from London, and they all decided to walk back together for some reason. Laughing at the time. Yeah. And rapturous laughter. Yeah. The corridor was long and dark, for the lights had been extinguished, but as they reached the middle of it, they saw the glimmer of a lamp coming towards them from the other end. Uh, one of the young ladies going to visit the nurseries whispered uh, the young Townsend children to my father. Now the bedroom doors... In that corridor faced each other and the room each and each room had a double door with a space in between so kind of like an airlock you go out so one set of doors there's another set of doors mm -hmm. like if you go to the zoo and you go into the, like the bird enclosure you have to make sure one's shut before you open the other yeah it's good to a bird enclosure As is the case in many old-fashioned houses, each room had the, had a double door with a space in between. My father, as I have said, was in shirt and trousers only. Very explicit yeah. about what he's wearing. Just thinking about that, that's a lot of doors you have to be buying for these houses, and doors aren't cheap. Yeah, I don't know what the purpose of having double sets double of doors. doors. Um, uh, let's, get, let's get a carpenter on. You might know. <laughs> no. Okay. I don't do that. <laughs> My father, as I've said, was in shirt and trousers only, and his native modesty made him feel uncomfortable. So he slipped within one of the outer doors, his friends following his example, in order to conceal himself until the lady should have passed by. So they, they think there's somebody coming down the hallway, so they duck into one of these... All right. So effectively, what I'm, what I'm wearing now is a shirt and trousers, and I'd be wearing this, and I'd be feeling embarrassed in yeah. front of... You'd probably be um, showing too much ankle or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard him describe how he watched her approaching nearer and nearer through the chink of the door until he was close enough for him to distinguish the colours and style of her costume. He recognised the figure as the facsimile of the portrait of the brown lady. Is that a sound? <laughs> Shout out to a fax again? You got it. Man, fax is a popular on this podcast? <laughs> well, with one of us, yes. Um... He had his finger on the trigger of his revolver okay. and was about to demand it to stop and give the reason for its presence there when the figure halted of its own accord before the door... So he's going to hold a ghost up at gunpoint and ask why the brown lady's there. The figure halted of its own accord before the door behind which he stood and holding the lighted lamp she carried to her features grinned a malicious and diabolical manner. Ooh. Grinned in a malicious and diabolical manner at him. Eek. Okay. This act so infuriated my father, who was Is anything, shoot the ghost? was anything but lamb-like in disposition, that he sprang into the corridor with a bound and discharged the revolver right in her face. <laughs> the figure instantly discharged disappeared. Full, full in her face, yeah. Full facial discharge. You got it. 
The figure instantly disappeared. The figure at which for several minutes three men had been looking at together. The bullet passed through the outer door of the room into the opposite side of the corridor and lodged into the panel of the inner door opposite. Maybe that's why they had all these doors because people were shooting guns and always at <laughs> ghosts. Yeah. yeah, just, just extra layer of protection. <laughs> My father never attempted again to interfere with the brown lady of Raynham. Lady Townsend reported that the brown lady was next seen in 1926 when her son and his friend claimed to have seen the ghost on the staircase, identifying the ghostly figure with the portrait of Lady Dorothy Walpole which hung in the haunted room. On September 19th, 1936, Captain Hubert Provind, a London-based photographer working for Country Life magazine, and his assistant, Indra Shearer, were taking photographs of Raynham Hall for an article. They claimed that they had already taken a photograph of the hall's main staircase and were setting up to take a second when Shara saw a vapory form gradually assuming the appearance of a woman. Mm. Moving down the stairs towards them. I've done the wrong inflection there. That's a full stop. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Guess you're guessing that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a vapory form gradually assumed the appearance of a woman and moved down the stairs towards them. I could Towards have them? Towards them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under Shearer's direction, Proven quickly took the cap off the lens while Shearer pressed the trigger to activate the camera's flash. Later, when the negative was developed, the famous image of the brown lady was revealed. The account of Provind and Shearer's ghostly experience at Raynham Hall was published in Country Life magazine on December 26, 1936 along with a photograph of the brown lady. The photograph and the account of its taking also appeared in the January 4th, 1937 edition of Life magazine. So there's country life and life. So I guess Life magazine is about life outside of the country. But sometimes there's a crossover. So sometimes country life crosses over into regular life, yet this is death. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, it's ironic having a ghost appear in Life magazine. I suppose it probably is. Um, so just to finish up, um, George IV visited Raynham Hall when he was, uh, Prince Regent and the Brown Lady is said to have frightened him out of his wits. He woke up in the middle of the night to see the ghostly figure standing at the foot of his bed. He promptly left saying, I will not spend another hour in this cursed house for tonight. I have seen that which I hope to God I never see again. Sort of a bit of a knock to your self-confidence if you're a, <laughs> someone says that to you. But and just enough. a throwaway line at the end, two ghostly children and a spectral cocker spaniel are also said to haunt the house. <laughs> I love ghost animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me show you a picky <clears throat> of the mm-hmm. okay. brown lady. Is this the one that was in Country Life and Later Life magazine? Yes. Um, so some theories are obviously, um, saying it's a double exposure or, um, it's Vaseline on the lens, but others say these photographers had very, very good reputations leading into this. So why would they have faked anything? Yep. Um, so here is said ghostly figure without rattling the ironing board too much. (laughs) Quite clear. And I'll, um, post this one up on the instas as a um, show post for this episode. So it's sort of the, I guess, the sort of silhouette or outline of what it looks like a person you can see through. Can you see, like, when, I can't see as close, but can you see, like, facial features in on there or um, it's, anything like that actually looks like a person? Or so it- one, of the, one of the theories around what it is 
um, if it was to be a double exposure, a fakery was around a Virgin Mary statue. Yes. So it has that it does, kind of it does a, kind of have that kind of shape to a it, doesn't it? Sort of a hood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can't really see too much detail, to be honest, but um, yeah, there's definitely something, you know, with that kind of shape or outline to it. Um, thus ends my story. Good. Spooky. <laughs> gotta say in that um in that photo she doesn't look brown she looks white yeah black and white photo though oh so they wouldn't pull out brown but you think it's probably the, the brown would go more black than white yeah just all right debunked a, bit of, bit of, bit of comment, this has been a waste there. of time then clearly yeah. we just debunked it <laughs> now what do we do um some strange apologize no i'll just get you some strange and we'll just move on um so you're getting me some strange i'm gonna get you some strange so last week there was a slight hiccup with the music i started it and then had to stop it again. Because I you wanted, wanted to, to start. I wanted it. to so play with it. Do you want to start it? No, I'll start it. Then. Oh, actually, should I? No. Okay, you go. You do. You do it better than I do anyway. So I mean, I'm happy to cede control of the music to you. Okay. Yes, yeah. this, I'll pass you the CD player. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you pass things. Yeah. Put your pants back on. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's on. Okay. So. This is the bit where you pick up the book. Yeah, you got to talk me through everything. <laughs> um, just to intro it for anyone new, for some reason I like introing this segment. You do. <laughs> Explain this one. Um, this is where we take the 1982 Reader's Digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained, um, a big old book full of uh, paranormal stories. Um, Tony will flick through the book. I'll tell him when to stop. We will choose a random story from that page and read it out. And that will be me getting me some, or Tony getting me some strange. Hence the name, Get Me Some Strange. That's correct. You've described that beautifully. Okay, <laughs> you ready? I'm going to kick this off. Yep. Stop. Oh, perfectly. There's no need to pad. There's no, There's no need to pad. No padding. Then why, don't, yeah. why don't we just go straight into it? We will. No padding because we've landed on the title page. <laughs> so we're in the appearances and disappearances section. Okay. Okay. So Let me guess. There's some stories in here about people who just were never seen again. Close. <laughs> or is it more like they appeared in front of someone and then disappeared in front of that same person? Close. <laughs> <laughs> any tidbit sized ones or um what? i've got i've got a reasonable one here i quite like the idea of this one this Do is it. what i've seen so on july 27 1724 the boy who came to be called wild peter was captured near the german town of hamlin he appeared to be about 12 years old he could not speak and only ate vegetables and grass and sucked the juice of green stalks. At first, he even rejected bread. No. Gluten, maybe gluten intolerance. Oh, yeah. yeah. Solved. Solved. You're debunking things left and right today. <laughs> the story of the wild boy spread, and in February 1726, King George I of England, uh, who was also the King of Hanover, convenient, hmm. uh, sent for him. He was briefly a court favourite, and learned to identify his benefactor as Kisho and Queen Qu Queen Caroline as <laughs> struggling. Well, yeah, Kukuka, Kukukuchu, Kukuka, 
<laughs> although he never learned to speak articulately, articulately, which obviously I didn't either. <laughs> a German naturalist, which is again naked or not naked? Um, naked, right? Which way did we go? Naked. Na- Na- naturist. Naturist naked. is naked. Naturalist is someone yeah. like an Attenborough. Okay. A German naturist and scholar later examined all the earliest documents on Wild Peter and concluded that he must have lived with people until shortly before he was captured because he wore a rag around his neck and parts of his body were pale rather than tanned, suggesting that he had worn breeches. Yeah, and up until like, you know, a month before he was caught. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah. But not all agreed. Peter's case like that of other wild children see page 119 oh, oh why not I'm on 116 so nope <laughs> strongly influenced contemporary views of how humans came to be civilised uh, French philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau considered wild Peter a model of an unspoiled natural man and Scotland's Lord Mombondo sounds African <laughs> God. <laughs> wrote made up i consider his history as a brief chronicle or abstract of the progress of human nature and the mere animal to the first stage of civilized life that's that and that is how we will end this episode With old wild pete <laughs> accompanying us to the very end real life tarzan um that has been another week of lights in the sky podcast join us next week for more fun frivolity and paranormal goings on oh can i nope damn um that'll be us for the week catch you next week catch you later toodaloo